Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. Kate Kernahan and I first worked together in 2018 during a time of crisis. In fact, one of the worst droughts on record that ravished New South Wales and its water systems. And we were the comms people who had to navigate a complex world of stakeholders, including the government, farmers, First Nation landowners, and a whole bunch of others. I'm thinking back to that time, and it was long days on the road, testy town hall meetings, and some pretty average roadside regional motel stays. It certainly was a bonding time. Fast forward to 2023. Kate is the founder of Factotum Communications, a business created to inspire meaningful connections primarily within the project infrastructure industry. She has grown this business from a sole promoter to a small company employing a team of eight in just the past couple of years. And she has a great vision and that's to attract, develop and share exceptional talent and knowledge. And she credits much of the successful establishment of her business to managing expectations on every front, be that community, stakeholder, media, government, clients, and importantly, her own staff. At the midway point of executive MBA studies, and we will chat more about that in the show, and on the back of a recent international study tour in Asia and the Middle East, Kate has recently been reflecting on the challenges and opportunities at play in each of those economies. Most intriguing is the role governments play in using regulation and deregulation to signal clear expectations to the market and in turn drive priorities. So we are discussing managing expectations and that's something we all need to do every day in some shape or form, no matter who we are and what we do for a living. So welcome to the politics of everything, Kate. Thank you. Thank you for the warm welcome. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Since day one of the politics of everything, I have relied on Zencaster's all-in-one solution to make the process quick and painless, the way it should be for those of us who just love great content and want to get our ideas out into the world. If you know me, I'm obsessed with quality in terms of my guests, my sound, and everything about my show has to be great the first time. I'm time poor. It's so easy to use Zencaster. I'm not tech savvy and you don't need to be either. There's nothing to download. Just click on the link and off we go. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automate post-productions now in their toolkit, you don't have to leave your browser to get that episode done and done fast. I have a special offer for you and I hopefully you can experience what I have with Zencaster. Go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my VIP code, the politics of everything, all lowercase in one word, to get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. How good is that? I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Well, we have known each other for a little while and I can't believe I don't know this, but what did you want to be when you were a kid? Did you have a childhood dream and kind of what was your early career and maybe even your study about? I I have taken the long way around to get to the position I find myself in and I do wonder whether this is the static end point or whether it'll keep on a curve that surprises me. When I was younger, I 
quite liked all things sport and competition. I can't walk to the mailbox without making a competition out of it. So I wanted a career that was sports focused, although I don't have a scientific mind. So I couldn't do anything that was sort of anatomy or sports science and went the other way into what became event management. So the event management path, which I loved, it was fast paced. It was exciting. I was working at the Botanic Gardens and Domain in Sydney and we did New Year's Eve and there was home bake and field day and all of the events with lots of street cred. But as I started having babies, I realized that maybe working every public holiday and uh, late nights and weekends was possibly not the most sustainable path forward. And that I'd have to have a little think about where I could transfer those skills, which is how I kind of segued across into communications and engagement, which is largely a very similar set of organizing information within a movable deadline. And that's kind of where I've ended. Excellent. So I love that your LinkedIn bio says people pleaser. And I have to jump on this because we are talking about (laughs) managing expectations. Does that make you the person that always says yes? How have you kind of managed your own expectations of yourself and some insights and reflections perhaps in a work sense? Because you mentioned obviously you've had some transitions in your career and now in your business, but as a fellow business owner, it doesn't mean you never work weekends or late nights when you have your own business. (laughs) The great irony of it all. Exactly. The freedom that you think you're going to have. But what does it mean that you, why do you call yourself a people pleaser, I guess, is the great place to start. And I guess that, that idea about how that manifests itself in your management of expectations. Oh, even that has evolved in that it used to be a badge of honor. I used to be one of, I used to pride myself on, on keeping other people happy, which is a dangerous line to walk. It's now almost a little bit of self-reflection and a warning to myself that that tendency is there and it's okay for it to be there and it has served me fairly well. I just need to manage conditions around it. So managing expectations both inwardly and outwardly. And I've found that you can still be a people pleaser as long as you're managing expectations. And is that as simple as saying no to things that perhaps are not priorities? How do you, how's your brain organized that management? Because I think we all have an innate DNA of our personality and look, being yes people <laughs> would be something, would be fighting against, you know, your, your, you know, your inclination to just want to make it all happen and take on all the work and keep everyone happy. How have you really changed that decision in your head to not do that? And what does that look like when it comes to, you know, a project which might just be not your bag or it's going in the wrong Mm. direction or sacking clients, which we've probably all had to do at some point? (laughs) What does that really look like for you? It looks like creativity. So it's not, it's not saying no, it's very rarely saying no, it's just finding another interpretation of saying yes. So if it's a project that's not for me or a piece of work that I can't possibly take on despite having the skill set to do it, I might not have the time or other conditions, that turns into some creativity around who in my well-connected network can I link you in with that could that could solve this for you. So the net result is that it gets solved. They've come to me and it gets solved, but it might not be me doing it directly or it might or testing the parameters of the problem that's presented to me to see if there's some assumed conditions that maybe have a bit more flex. So when you say you need this by X date, what's why is the date anchored at that point? What is it that's driving that date? And just 
testing a little bit to see if I can find a crack that makes it possible. Absolutely. And I have a I have a sort of a sense of that in my own business as well. I'm a former journalist, so deadlines were my life. But I think sometimes it is an arbitrary deadline is what you realise when you really yes. unpack something. Someone just wants it that day because it suits their personal desire to see something happen. But like you say, often it's not the true deadline. So I think it's always good to ask lots of questions before we do say yes. Can you recall a time when managing expectations failed for you, perhaps in business or personally, and what that kind of taught you? Because obviously with every juncture and every kind of, you know, pit pit stop we have, there's often lessons learned from that and that might shape some of your thinking today perhaps. I think one of the early missteps or, or, you know, growing pains that I had within my business was that transition from sole trader to a company where, uh, the persona was the business instead of my individual my individual Kate personality. So I think I think I probably failed a little bit in managing expectations where I wasn't clear on the distinction between those two personas and I didn't conduct myself as an individual in a way that was in keeping with what I wanted for the company. That's something that would be reproducible, sustainable for other people. So that that looks like excessive over-servicing, which then sets expectations with clients that if they go to Kate, they'll get around-the-clock service or above and beyond whatever that might be, whereas if you go to another employee, you actually get a regular high standard of service but one that probably operates during daylight hours <laughs> um, and is and is a much healthier version of service. So I sort of had to have a bit of a reflection on where did my level of service need to be that was at a professional standard that I was comfortable for, for my business that I would like to see reflected by other people within the business, just so that client expectations and staff expectations could all find a happy meeting point. I think service-based businesses in a 24-7 on-the-clock on kind of environment make it very hard to do that. So, you know, if you if you have a shop front and it's closed at 5 o'clock, the cupcake shop is shut and we all know that. <laughs> but I think because we've got smartphones and we're always contactable, it's a, you know, necessary but evil kind of thing that happens, I think, in our communication style. Mm. Do you think being a service-based business means that balance is going to always be a bit harder to create that space particularly when we're talking deadlines, capacity. Sometimes I'm guilty of, you know, I have a rule that I don't take my smartphone into my bedroom, for example, you know, I turn it off and leave it downstairs charging. However, if you do reply to an email at o'clock at night, it might feel like it's off your play, but in some ways it opens up a can of worms. Same if you do Mm. that on holidays. So how have you kind of regulated yourself? Because I think it's all good and well to have the principle, but I personally struggle with the execution of, of that sometimes, particularly with new clients who don't yet know and love what I do. Yeah. And I think, I think it's the new clients that I'm probably more disciplined with. I see new clients as an opportunity to be really clear with expectations. You've got to, I've got no use for burnt out staff and I've, and I'm no use to anyone as a burnt out, a burnt out staff member. So I've got to kind of look at that bucket of energy, goodwill and say, we're definitely able to be responsive in a true emergency, but not everything's an emergency. I'm working on the execution, uh, trying to Work use things like, like most of us. I think <laughs> it's hard delivery. sometimes. I know. 
Yeah. I'm working on the execution of it. The way that my life happens to work on a personal level is that I do get a bit of spare time in the evenings, but that's not necessarily modeling that I want anyone to read into. So Yeah, it's hard. And also if you've got staff and you're saying, look, that's cool, you just leave that till, you know, when we catch up in the next whip or whatever, but then, you know, you're sort of doing something a little bit different, that's probably hard too, I suppose, because yeah. they might feel that that unspoken pressure to be a little bit more on as well. That's true. And but I do speak to it really regularly. I'm hyper aware of it and I'm and I'm really clear and obvious when I'm doing personal things during the day, just so that people can see that that's the balance. I'm I'm doing kid things in the middle of the day. I might catch up a little bit later, and people can can see that that flexibility rolls and building that picture of flexibility. I'm hoping is is giving everybody the social license to behave in that same way for themselves. I've got staff that like to get up with the birds in the morning. I've got other staff that I do not contact before nine o'clock, and I, I want people to be able to arrange their lives and it's not just kids it's pets it's aging parents it's personal hobbies there's got to be room for all of those things so it's not for me to say you must work nine to five so you don't burn out it's work when it suits you to work and we can go from there how do you lead your team then to manage themselves you've just given a great example then of you know I guess modeling that flexibility and that fact that yeah you there's no walk of shame to go I'm going to the kids athletics carnival for a couple hours and you know probably be hard to catch or do meetings but to manage themselves better and I guess still bring their own flavor to your business that you've created so it's not sort of well this is how Kate likes it done we're all gonna you know work in this way how has that sort of evolved as your business has grown uh, lots of challenge challenging assumptions we have a pretty healthy challenge culture and the question will come quite frequently are we doing that because we've always done it that way or because others do it that way or is there a reason why you need it to be at this time? Do we meet at this at this period of the week for our weekly catch-up because it suits everybody or do we need to be meeting? Just that continual challenge of the, the base assumptions that we're operating from is probably how we keep and we, we're the staff base that we have. I'm incredibly lucky to have a really curious set of people working in my business lots of studying and lots of extracurricular hobbies. And the team are really interested in each other. We have all sorts of social chats that, you know, what's happening in royal watching these days or, you know, what are the pets up to? What are you reading? We've got a whole podcast reading list that we we share amongst ourselves. So I think keeping a genuine interest in each other is probably how we manage to keep that personal flavour coming into the business and not not having one dominated sort of rigid culture that washes over. Yeah, and I think in some ways it's probably been slightly advantageous that you did start your business just before COVID, even though at the time it probably was a little bit of a (laughs) confronting thing to do Um, because flexibility and, you know, hybrid working is so normalised that, you know, organisations that have been around for 50 years have to do it now and they would have never have done that in 2019 and working from home was seen as like this weird privilege that you sometimes got to do but people just assumed you were not working very hard at your day at home so I think in some ways you've allowed you know you've timed that well because I think that that creativity is because that's what the world is now all expecting as well yeah and I I think that letting it evolve and not trying to force it has been a pretty big part of that and we're we're lucky that the nature of the business that we do lends itself to remote working. I do think, you know, I'm watching with great interest as the world shakes out of 
that and and struggles against the come back into the office. Why are we coming back into the office? It does have pros and cons. I'm I'm watching from the sidelines to see how that shakes out. And particularly in in Dubai recently, I was looking at a newly built smart city that in a in a few places in Dubai they're building residential mixed in with commercial allotments so that people can live and work within the same sort of precinct. So the commutes cut out, they have an office space that gives them separation from their home, but it's within the same kind of vicinity. It's a really interesting take to see how it plays out. It's like a mini kind of city that's commutable sort of thing. Is that sort of like a village kind of concept? Is that Yeah, kind of literally it'll be an apartment building next to an office building, next to a library, next to a sports field, next to another commercial building. Just they've got the space, they've got the money, they've got the innovation to just try it out, see how it goes. You know, they've got nothing but free space and dollars to to see what comes of it. Absolutely. So we did mention in the introduction you are halfway through your executive MBA. We both started our studies at a similar time and it's a little bit nuts sometimes, but I imagine it's allowed you to think in a different way, but also maybe managing expectations from yourself and how you work with more agility and creativity, which we've talked about a little bit. Has it Besides the knowledge that you get and the connections you get, what else has it allowed you to do when it comes to managing expectations? Because it is another thing you have to factor into your week, but also in yourself, how do you, how do you triage the priority of this executive MBA? Uh, if you asked me that at the start of the EMBA, I had such an idealistic <laughs> approach. I was going to take Fridays off and arrange my week so that I had no client-facing activities. I was going to spend a whole day a week dedicated to my studies and the whole world was going to leave me alone to do that. And we laughed and laughed. (laughs) These days it's more the EMBA fits in around where it fits in. You might have a client ask you to write a strategy or or something and you just have to fit it in within the week wherever it fits. So the black and white structure that I had hoped for hasn't eventuated and probably doesn't need to have. What the EMBA has given me is a fresh perspective on the value of bureaucracy. I've been so vehemently opposed to doing bureaucratic things, but the first couple of years of business and as I've been growing and there are more people relying on on there being some structure, the more timely the EMBA content is around giving me awareness of the liberties that are provided when you've got a little bit more structure. There's the frameworks that having what might seem like bureaucratic process embedded into your business can give you, it can free up some decision-making, it can give certainty to people. So it's helped me find a middle ground between pretty free and loose and and having some professional discipline, I guess. Absolutely. Changing tack a little bit, what's the best advice you were ever given and why? It would probably be around accountability. Do what you say you're going to do. So I think... I mean, it's not insightful, it's not particularly poetic, but if you can deliver the things you say you're going to deliver, everything will be okay. And I take from that a version of managing expectations. So if you say you're going to do something, then people expect you to do them. And I think as long as you are sticking with that, you'll be okay. Absolutely. And life happens, but, you know, as long as you most of the time deliver, I think people are pretty reasonable about that. Yeah. If we spoke again in a year, what would be your number one goal to have achieved and why? 
it's probably linked to the growth of my business. We're in we're in a bit of a growth phase. We've done a fair bit of strategic planning recently, a fair bit of hiring, and I've got so many rock stars with me at the moment in this business building phase that I really, in a year's time, just can't wait to see all of the things that they're going to have been able to achieve, not only on their personal strengths, but the the sum total of the parts, all of the different team members being able to bounce off one another and having the direction to do it. I'm I'm looking forward to a year's time to see what that looks like and whether it's the way we imagined it or whether it sparks off in a new direction that's bigger and better than our imaginations could have sort of ideated. What's your final takeaway message for us on the politics of managing expectations? I've heard other podcasts and I knew this one was probably going to be in there somewhere waiting for me. <laughs> and I'm a little bit... Um, no surprises, oh, really. No. And I, the politics of managing expectations for me is, is around whether it's client expectations, your staff expectations, the expectations in your relationship. As long as you're clear, the no surprises thing sets everyone up for a much more comfortable interaction whether it's you're dealing with a difficult project that, you know, doesn't have a lot of scope for influence, but as long as you can be really clear what it is that they can influence or can't influence, why you're talking to them, if you if you give that parameters, people have comfort in those boundaries. So Very the wise. politics of managing expectations <laughs> is just to manage expectations. Do what you say you're going to do. It's been fantastic to chat to you today. And if you do want to connect further with Kate, there will be some details on the show notes. Until next time, take care. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.